Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. I've touched on the matter of the problem known as North Korea a number of times. But I do believe that it needs to be addressed yet again, and probably again and again and again. But I'm going to try to give an overview as well as some details with regard to who and what North Korea is, what the problem is, what the options are, and so forth. And not only from my perspective, but my take on what the group think is out there in the administration and elsewhere with regard to North Korea. But going back to recap, here very recently, specifically the end of July, we received the news that North Korea had succeeded with its second ICBM, or Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Test, which showed their newfound capability to reach at least half of the United States. Not only all of Alaska, but additionally all of the West Coast all the way to Chicago, Illinois. Now, the South Korean communist dictator, third in the line, whom I refer to as Kim Jong-un, he stated that his regime's missiles, ICBMs, fitted out with large, heavy nuclear warheads could reach all of the United States of America at that date. Whether that was accurate or merely optimistic on his part remains to be seen, but given this breathtaking increase or advance in the technological capabilities, war capabilities of North Korea, it seems entirely reasonable that, in fact, if North Korea is not able to hit all of the United States at this time, that it will simply be a matter of time and very little time, precious little time, before they, in fact, will be able to do that. So, regardless whether North Korea, the regime, the communist dictatorship regime under Kim Jong-un, is viewed as a rogue regime, an independent player, 
independent of all influence and persuasion and control from the nuclear superpowers of the United States of America, bloody red communist China, its neighbor and, in fact, its slave master, as far as I'm concerned, and Putin's Russian bear regime. Even if it is viewed that way, as independent from all of those, except that it may be able to be swayed this way or that way by a mixture of tough love and rewards for the blackmail, the extortion, the nuclear blackmail that it is has been and continues to contrive to use to pressure and exploit and bring the United States of America to its will and to heed its demands, regardless whether it is viewed that way or whether it is viewed as being much more intimately aligned with communist red China, or whether it is viewed as being in the hip pocket of communist red China and also directly under the influence, if not operational control, of Putin's Russian regime, and that is the Russian authoritarian regime, dare I say, Dictatorship that may be a bit strong, seemingly strong, but but when you look at the actual factual reality on the ground in Russia, Vladimir Putin is able to do exactly as he chooses to do. And that is tantamount to dictatorship, even though he has had to use some diplomatic gambits, if you will, or political gambits in order to give an appearance of it being something other than that to the world and even within Russia. Now, again, I view North Korea as being a slave state, a satellite slave state of communist red China, and, ironically and seemingly contradictorily, of the Russian regime. But uh, that certainly is an extreme minority view. I don't doubt that for one moment, even though I do believe it is absolutely true, as is borne out by the Korean War, and is shown again in the Vietnam War with reference to North Vietnam, the Viet Cong. But regardless how it is viewed, the question then is, how dangerous is it? Is it just another permutation of the mouse that roared? Is it just some innocent innocuous, benevolent, beneficent, funny little curiosity, a novelty that believes 
that it can enrich itself, it can help itself tremendously economically and so forth by waging war on the United States of America, hypothetically, pretending to wage war on the United States of America. Is that all it is? Or is it all the way (laughs) to the opposite side of the spectrum to being a mortal threat? to the United States of America. Well, North Korea happens to employ one of the largest standing militaries in the world. It includes extremely highly trained special forces. It has under its control the largest submarine force in the world, bar none. That's not to say it's the most technologically advanced submarine force, but it is the largest in terms of quantity, volume. Even if those submarines on an individual basis are inferior to the highest and mightiest state-of-the-art submarines of the United States of America. Furthermore, it has engaged in a virtual non-stop attempt to breach the DMZ with tunnels enabling it to invade South Korea. For lo, these many, many, many decades. For more than half a century, it has engaged in that and continues to engage in that. Not exactly the actions of a peaceful neighbor. A neighbor that's only concerned about its safety to prevent it being invaded, only concerned about its defense, and concerned about the welfare of its people. North Korea has engaged in as vicious and ruthless an attempt to exterminate Christians, Christianity, as any regime that there has been in history. But that's not to say that there haven't been other equally vicious, ruthless, murderous regimes intent on that same end. There have been regimes such as those of Cambodia, the Khmer Rouge, and in Sudan, And in Ethiopia, these communist, Marxist, Islamist regimes, and elsewhere, and of course throughout the Middle East and what have you. But it has shown itself to be utterly, murderously ruthless towards its own people, including children. Innocent, law-abiding, peaceful people 
have been in the crosshairs of this murderous satanic regime for its entire existence to today. Now, Kim Jong-un may be viewed as just, he's a mad hatter, he's a kooky, nutty, yes, malevolent playboy. But if you look back on what North Korea did during the reigns, I would say reigns of terror, of his father and grandfather, you find exactly the same things. With the exception that Kim Jong-un has stepped it up a notch. If we go back, we find the incidents of the Pueblo, the United States Navy Pueblo, being taken and its crew held captive and tortured and displayed to the world to thumb the nose of North Korea collectively at the United States of America to embarrass the United States of America and to bow the United States of America to its will and our wonderful, enlightened, progressive government here in the United States of America could not see fit to lift a little finger against North Korea. Another incident that took place at similar time was the axe murder of two Marines, United States Marines, at the DMZ. And for some reason, the name Panmunjom comes to, to mind, and maybe that had nothing to do with it, but it's in the recesses of my mind. But it was a deliberate, premeditated, murderous attack of United States Marines who were slaughtered with axes. It was no different in terms of its intent, its premeditation than was the monstrous Islamist terrorist attack of the Christian young man who was a soldier who had been deployed to Afghanistan, I believe, who returned home to Britain to his very young wife, and he was a very young man. And she was relieved that he made it home safe and sound, only to be murderously attacked on the streets of London by these black Islamist terrorists, homegrown terrorists, I believe, or they were naturalized citizens or what have you, there in London, who were waiting for the opportunity. They had the place staked out, this facility, this military facility. They saw him come out in his uniform, and they attacked him with their vehicle, ran him down, and then leaped out with machetes and attacked him, murdered him. And the wonderful courts of justice there in 
UK, Britain, the Western view of justice that is so completely, utterly separate and devoid from the Bible sentenced these two destroyers to, I can't remember what it was, really. It could have been anywhere from three to six years in prison. Perhaps they will serve a year or two before they're released to commit more atrocious, monstrous murders. But they were rewarded for their evil. They were absolutely, positively rewarded for their evil. If anybody dreams, and they do, dreams that putting slaughterers, destroyers, terrorists in prison for a year or two or three is a punishment or is going to result in the rehabilitation of them. We'll encourage them to do good things by being so lenient and understanding. Then they are devoid of sense and wisdom and knowledge and (laughs) perhaps one day will be shocked to find themselves being attacked by those very ones whom they have been so charitable towards. But this attack of these U.S. Marines in the DMZ was exactly of the same tenor. And again, the United States of America rewarded North Korea for that. Rewarded North Korea for that by doing nothing to the regime that was not Kim Jong-un's regime, (laughs) but his ancestors. So then the question is, in the halls of power... The wise and wonderful people that have say-so over what the United States of America will do, not only in the Oval Office, not only in the White House, in the West Wing of the White House and in the White House, not only at the Pentagon. And the CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia, and NSA headquarters in Maryland and so forth, but at Homeland Security, but also in Congress, the U.S. senators who have so much to say about what is the appropriate action for the United States of America to take. In all of these places, the question is, what is the concept of what North Korea is and the view with regard to how to discourage North Korea from engaging in any atrocious, murderous, terroristic nuclear actions against the Western world, but chiefly against South Korea, Japan, Guam, and Taiwan, and the United States of America. How to go about that, 
Well, those who view North Korea as a nation which is merely fearful, you know, they would say paranoid, fearful of being attacked, fearful of being invaded. They are completely, utterly, totally, willfully, and criminally ignorant of the history of North Korea from its inception to now, from before its inception to now. But there are those who take that view, have that perspective, or at least communicate that. And they attempt to influence foreign policy so that the United States of America will be limited to attempting to bring about additional sanctions and or even the lifting of sanctions in order to ease the fears, to calm the fears of those in charge in North Korea and cause them to behave better. And certainly there are many of this ilk in the United Nations and throughout the Western world, amongst our allies in the U.K., and France, and Germany, and Italy, and Spain, and Scandinavia, and so forth. So their view and their idea of what should be done is that we must, even though they are not Christian, we must continue to turn the other cheek because, after all, This is just a matter of sticks and stones, right? There's no real danger unless we, the United States of America, provoke an attack. (laughs) Even though North Korea has been working to provoke the United States of America going back decade upon decade upon decade upon decade back to the Pueblo, back to the axe murder of United States Marines, back to the Korean War, and so forth. Then there are those who view North Korea as a very dangerous player, malevolent, and so forth. But nonetheless, a rogue regime, an isolated, independent player that is headed up by a mad hatter, uh, vicious, thuggish, exceedingly narcissistic playboy. But again, willful ignorance that, in point of fact, North Korea is not engaging in things now that are different from what North Korea engaged in 20 years ago, 40 years ago, even 60 years ago. It's the same kind of willful ignorance as with regard to Islam, the nature of Islam, and what is Islam's history. It is exactly the same thing. This willful ignorance. And these same players, going back to George W. Bush as a, an a, extremely uh, graphic example 
George W., who he and his top aides, top officials, insisted on communicating to the American people and to the world that Islam was a religion of peace and that the Islamist terrorists were just an extreme, extreme, extreme minority and they were deviant and they misrepresented peaceful, wonderful, beneficent, benevolent Islam and they perverted Islam. So funny to hear them talking about these Islamist terrorists perverting Islam. Now, mind you, these are the same people who would never, ever, ever use the term perversion with reference to sodomites. Heavens forbid. Perversion of sexuality. Perversion of marriage. Perversion of family. No, 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 no. But these Islamist terrorists were perverting Islam, purportedly. When in point of fact, they were faithfully, and I use that word (laughs) advisedly, very carefully, they were faithfully, accurately representing, following the orders of the founding father of Islam, Muhammad. Following in his bloody, horrific, monstrous, evil footsteps. So these people who view North Korea as a rogue regime, they view it as dangerous, but controllable. You know, If Iraq had not been viewed as being very, very, very beatable, the Bush regime would not have been so all-willing, anxious to attack. They were convinced that they could take out Iraq. And indeed, they took down the Saddam Hussein regime. They cut off the head of the snake very quickly. They left a great deal, a great deal of the body of the snake, of the leadership there, if not intact, nonetheless alive and well. And of course, enabled other snakes to become more aggressive and more active. But they viewed North Korea as being a similar situation, a similar player along with Iran, this axis of evil. You know, the evil trio, like Hitler's Nazi regime, Benito Mussolini's Italian fascist regime, and Hirohito's. imperialist, dare I say fascist, Japanese regime. They viewed it as very beatable. And indeed they viewed 
North Korea and Iran that way too. But they did not take them all on. No. Instead, the attack was made in Iraq and Afghanistan. Afghanistan and Iraq. But there are many who view North Korea that way. As simply a rogue regime, an evil player, but a rogue regime, an independent player. And they compartmentalize it. It is independent. It's a man on an island. And that informs their opinions of how to deal with it. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. If you missed the introduction, I'm the one to blame for this program, for any content in it that perhaps offends. And my Lord and God is the one to give credit to for anything that you view as praiseworthy. So there are these who view North Korea as a rogue regime that is very beatable. And then there are those, a much, 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 much smaller group of people who view North Korea as being malevolent, but not a rogue regime per se, but rather as under the sway of communist China, not viewing it as a satellite state, not viewing it as a slave state, not viewing it as being controllable by Putin's regime, or even fully controllable by communist China, but nonetheless under the influence. And that informs their opinion of how to deal with it. So, Again, those who view it as being more of a joke than anything else are those who insist that the thing to do with North Korea is be patient, 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 and deal with it by either lifting sanctions and giving it everything it wants, everything it demands, just caving into it, that that will make them peaceable. That will make the regime peaceable. You know, it's the same thinking as, if you can call it thinking, of those who insist that those who commit monstrous, heinous, murderous crimes here in the United States of America and elsewhere, that it's because they were not loved enough. It's because... They had a deprived upbringing. It's because they didn't have enough good things in life. And so they lash out angrily, hatefully, enviously, and so forth. The same wrong thinking. Again, if you can call it thinking. Well, then there are those who view it as the rogue regime, compartmentalize it, It is this one finite power, 
and it can be dealt with. If they view that in that way, then they tend towards the idea of being able to take it out militarily without great difficulty until now. (laughs) Until now. And yet they insist on patience, 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 thinking if they ignore this problem, the problem will go away. Even though this communist regime under these three generations of the Kim family have steadfastly done everything in their power to demonstrate they are not going away. They are not becoming westernized. They are not going to be peaceful and good neighbors and behave and so on and so forth. And as the regime is coddled to, it becomes exceedingly more dangerous because it becomes exceedingly more capable of inflicting destruction around the globe and the apex of its attentions is the United States of America and those allies of the United States of America that are within its area of influence, you should say. I would say its area of military striking. But then there are those who, again, view it as being, if not under the control of communist China, because next to nobody views it that way, but persuasion, under the persuasion, under the influence of communist China, because of many reasons, including the trade with communist China, the support from communist China, being the immediate neighbor of communist China, having a communist regime, a commonality, if you will. They perchance recognize that any actions towards North Korea may result in something other than a finite, limited conflict, especially since North Korea has seen fit to locate or to station so much in the way of its nuclear armaments adjacent to the communist border the communist border of communist China, so that any strikes, any attack of North Korea are tantamount to an attack of communist China. And their concerns with regard to intervention, if you will, by communist China are that communist China may misinterpret, misunderstand our intentions, may view the United States of America as targeting communist China. Well, 
communist China, the regime there, the leadership there, may be viewed as too smart, too enlightened, too knowledgeable to reach such an errant uh, view as that and go off on a tangent by striking out at the United States of America if the United States of America strikes North Korea. But if you look at the actions of communist China, you look at what has been going on in communist China during the past year, the past two years, the past three years, the past decade, the decade preceding that, and half century preceding that, you find that despite all of the economic activity, despite communist China's extreme cunning craft in eliciting investment from the West, investment from the West that has been, in fact, de facto gifting of industry to communist China, And you look at the extreme aggression that communist China has been engaged in, not only within communist China, but towards its neighbors, and especially towards the United States of America, with regard to its spycraft aimed at the United States of America, with its boots-on-the-ground spies throughout the United States of America, a force which dwarfs what Soviet Union ever succeeded in infiltrating the United States of America with. But in addition to that, of course, it's hacking, it's computer hacking, Internet hacking activities, and what they have succeeded in doing. That is, they have succeeded up to the current day. They have succeeded in stealing every single new military secret technology that has been developed. And that is stated over and over again. It has been verified that all of our secrets have been taken. Now, who knows? Perhaps those reports are exaggerated. Perhaps we have some deep, dark vault in which our most important technologies are hidden. But all of our intranet, private, hack-proof intranets within the Defense Department, and CIA, and NSA, and all of the military intelligence departments, and everything else, have been subject to phenomenal numbers of hacking attempts on a daily basis. And seemingly, there have been very successful breaches here and there. And there have been Occasional breadcrumbs left behind that could be followed. But the fact of the matter is we don't even know the extent of the compromise. Except that 
all of our latest and greatest developments keep cropping up over there in communist China, keep being produced, mass-produced. Oh, sometimes they have some slight variations, some slight changes. Namely, it's not uncommon for communist China to re-engineer, reverse-engineer, re-engineer, and add certain sophisticated customizations. But one after another, after another, after another of the most expensive, important, cutting-edge, state-of-the-art technological advancements have somehow or other, miraculously, if you will, found their way into communist China and have been produced. Those are not the actions of a peaceful, beneficent, benevolent neighbor. Their actions towards Christianity, towards the Christian church, towards Christians, is very, very, very similar to those actions in North Korea. And it has become more and more and more widespread. The current communist regime, which supposedly is so peace-loving, so focused on world peace, you know, under the president Xi Jinping and his premier Li Keqiang, Well, it has been increasingly engaged in this effort to cynicize Christianity. Now, cynicize, strictly speaking, means something different from what is meant by the communist regime. They use the term cynicize, but what they're talking about, instead of making Christianity Chinese which is what cynicize would be. It is to make Christianity communist. It is to conform Christianity and the Christian church to communism and the communist regime. That is, to undermine it, subvert it, corrupt it, pervert it, overthrow it, destroy it, and leave only the faintest shell the most minimal or merest facade of Christianity to claim that there is a Christian church there. Now, this has been the state of affairs in North Korea, just all-out war against the church, against all Christians, against all who evidence any interest in Christianity in the Bible. All-out war, murderous, heinous war, terrorism against them. But meanwhile, maintaining a ridiculous facade of two churches, two churches for VIPs to tour that are in the capital of North Korea, Pyongyang. So they use... Christianity, that ruse of Christianity to persuade foolish Westerners 
that there is some freedom of religion, that there is freedom to believe what you will. There is freedom to be a Christian in North Korea. There is, in fact, no such freedom, <laughs> nor has there been for the entire history of North Korea. Communist China, different story. Even though Christians, Christian missionaries, Chinese Christian missionaries, Christian churches, and Christian charitable institutions, hospitals, medical clinics, schools, were targeted by Mao Zedong and his wife, Jinping. I'm no doubt mispronouncing that. Targeted for destruction. Pastors tortured, imprisoned to their dying day in many cases. Kept in prison for 20, 30, 40 years for the monstrous, evil crimes of evangelizing lost people and leading them leading them to Christ and then leading them to productive Christian lives, to greater Christian maturity and so forth, and productivity, fruitfulness. Loving Christian families, loving Christian homes, raising their children to know the truth, to believe the truth, to inherit eternal life. So, there was a period of all-out war against Christianity. But in communist China, the vastness of the country, the vastness of the number of people made it very difficult to annihilate, to exterminate all of Christianity. I mean, when you consider that in North Korea they haven't succeeded, in doing that, it's small wonder that they haven't been able to do that in communist China. And with the growth of the church, the communist regime has changed its tactics time and time and time again in its efforts, in its attempts to deal with the growth of Christianity. It has tried various different methods or tacts, or tactics. But the most recent developments have been a return to the actions that one saw under Mao Zedong and his bloody regime. It is still a bloody communist regime. Believe what you will about its economy and its industry and what have you, but politically, militarily, it is a bloody communist regime, and spiritually. And the regime feels exceedingly threatened by the growth of Christianity and is hell-bent on annihilating the church, on destroying the church. And it's not just attacking pastors, senior pastors, and junior pastors, and church workers, elders and deacons and secretaries and what have you. It's hell-bent on destroying the church. 
every way, shape, and form possible. In addition to targeting pastors and their associates and their families, it is targeting the physical assets of the church. And this has been going on with an increasing intensity, an increasing virulence for a number of years now. And with each passing year and each passing season and each passing month and each passing week, it has increased. And yet, there are many who view communist China as virtually an ally. I mean, most favored nation, China. We owe Richard Milhouse Nixon an incalculable debt for this because he is the one responsible for it. (laughs) It's ironic. I mean, so many of these people who hate him with a passion, hated him with a passion while he was alive and did everything in their power to get him out of the presidency and hated him to his dying day, really should memorialize him because of the things that he did that line up with their values and their desires and what have you. But then if, and again, that's an extreme, extreme minority view, I'm not sure how many Uh, people such as I there are, or not people like myself, but people who hold this view, that North Korea is, in fact, a slave state of communist China and a satellite state also of former Soviet Union and now Putin's Russian autocratic regime, totalitarian regime. But for those who do have that view, perchance they have a different idea with regard to how North Korea should be dealt with or what the dangers are in dealing with North Korea. Namely, that if North Korea is attacked, what is the game plan of communist China and Russia? Personally, I believe that if North Korea is going to need to be militarily conquered, it needed to be done before now. But better now than a month from now, two months from now, three months from now. Despite all of the bluster and what have you from the White House, from the good cop, bad cop stuff going on, uh, from James Mattis and the president and the press secretary and the other administration officials. I do not believe that this administration is going to take the initiative until it's too late. (laughs) And with each passing month and, in fact, week, 
it seems to bear out that the point of it being too late has perhaps already passed, if you will, then in fact the consequences will be much worse than they would have been a month ago, than they would have been a month before that, than they would have been a month before that, and so forth. But that if actions are not taken, that that is an action in and of itself and which will have dire consequences. But I believe that if we just patiently sit back, we will find that North Korea is, in fact, being used and will be ultimately used to draw the United States of America into actions that will impoverish it militarily and enable it to be struck down. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.